Welcome to Kingdom Testimony. This is Lisa and we are finishing up the book Intramuros today. Um, today we're on the supplemental chapter and I think like I mentioned before it's you know I, I'm not sure how lengthy it is. It seems like it is a bit lengthy. Um, I might do the whole thing today. I might break it up in two. I haven't decided yet. So <clears throat> let's get going. Where we left off, Rebecca or Bertha Sprague, as she is known in the story, she um, opened her eyes and was back home. She was, they, they were watching her and she said that she was very near death. So um, that's where it left off. So now she writes, uh, does this say, in, in the many letters received since the publication of Intramuros, repeated inquiries have been made of me on different points contained in the book, requiring much correspondence, and it has been suggested that possibi possibly the addition of a few pages as a supplement to the book might explain some matters, or possibly make more clear some points that have not been fully comprehended by the reader. Let me in the beginning reassert what I have heretofore stated, that I have never claimed that this strange experience is either a revelation or an inspiration. It came to me during a period of great physical suffering and prostration, and I have always considered it as sent in compensation for that suffering. Be this as it may, it has been a great comfort and help to me, and through the letters received from others, I am led to believe it has been the same to many who have read it, for which cause I am extremely gratified. I wish that I might give the entire experience just as it came to me, but I find that earth language is wholly inadequate for me to do so. There were so many mysteries, so many teachings, far beyond anything that in this life we have known that I find myself bewildered and lost when I attempt to convey to others the marvelous things that at that time seemed indeed to me to be a most wonderful revelation. The question has repeatedly been asked me, was this a real experience or merely a fanciful sketch? What I have written above will as nearly answer that question as it is possible for me to do. The preface and early pages as given in the little volume are as nearly accurate as I can make them, and anything that I might add on that point would simply be superflu superfluous. To me at the time, it was as real as any experience in this life could possibly be. Questions have been asked respecting the comparative distances in heaven and our powers of passing from one point to another. And the question has even been asked if in the other life we developed wings that aided us in our passage as the wings of a bird. These matter-of-fact questions are sometimes quite difficult to answer, for my belief is that if I were really in the other life, as during this experience I seem to be, my thoughts would be so far above, so lifted beyond such temporal matters, that I would be unable to answer such inquiries satisfactorily on my return to this life. Looking back upon it now, and trying to gather facts from the impressions that I then received, I should say that none who have ever passed through mortal life would in any way be changed from their present personal appearance, 
except to be etherealized and glorified. When I seem to stand in that wonderful temple filled with the glory of God the Father, four angels with uplifted trumpets stood beside the golden altar on the great platform of pearl, and from their shoulders shadowy pinions enfolded them and touched the floor upon which they stood. And when in a moment of bewildering emotion I lifted my eyes to the erstwhile cloud-filled dome, I saw about the hitherto invisible choir, the shadowy pinions of which we so often read, half concealing the harps and instruments of gold. Also when at the close of that wonderful day when I had first met the Savior, we heard the angel voices as we stood together in the great flower room, and looking upward saw the child faces in the golden twilight above us. They too had delicate shadowy wings, half concealing the baby forms. Except for this, I have no recollection of having seen any of those glorious wings of which we so often read. I'm going to interject something here. Um, out of my ignorance, I guess I thought the baby cherub, chubby, winged babies um, was a depiction of like the Renaissance era. Uh, I didn't know that was a biblical thing, so we're going to leave that there. All right, let me continue. To me, it seems that to the angels of God who have always lived in heaven, these are given. But to those who have suffered and toiled and borne the cross below is given only the glorified form, such as our Savior himself bore. We appear to our friends when we meet them over there, just as they saw us here, only purified and perfect. Still, we had powers of locomotion given us that carried us from point to point swiftly and securely, as though borne by a boat upon the waters. I do not know how I can better illustrate this point than by giving a little incident not mentioned in the book. I remember as I sat one morning upon the upper terrace in the house of my sister, whom I had welcomed there soon after my arrival, and who, though really then a denizen of earth, has since passed over and taken possession of that beautiful home prepared for her. Then my sister said to me, I often look across the river to those lovely hills in the distance and wonder, is it, is all as beautiful there as here? I mean, someday to go and see? Why not go today, was my answer. Could you go with me this morning, was her inquiry, as she turned her radiant face again toward the river and the lovely fields beyond. With pleasure, I replied, I have often wished to go myself. There is something very inviting in the beautiful landscape beyond the river. Where is my brother Oliver, I asked. Will he not accompany us? No, she said, looking smilingly toward me, he has gone upon an important mission for the master today. But you and I, dear, can go and be at home again before his return. Then let us do so, I replied, rising and giving her my hand. She at once arose, and instead of turning toward the stairway in the center of the building, we turned and walked deliberately to the low coping that surrounded the upper veranda. Without a moment's hesitation, we stepped over this into the sweet air that lay about us. There was no more fear of falling than if our feet had been upon the solid earth. We had the power of passing through the air at will and through the water, just as we had the power of walking upon the crystal paths and greensward about us. We ascended slightly until we were just above the treetops, and then, what shall I say, 
We did not fly. We made no effort either with our hands or our feet. I can only think of the word drifting that will at all describe this wonderful experience. We went as a leaf or a feather floats through the air on a balmy day, and the sensation was most delightful. We saw beneath us through the green branches of the trees the little children playing and the people walking, some for pleasure, some for duty. As we neared the river, we looked down on the pleasure boats upon the river and upon the people sitting or lying or walking on the pebbly bottom, and we saw them with the same distinctness as though we were looking at them simply through the atmosphere. Conversing as we drifted onward, we soon were over the tops of the hills to which we had looked so longingly from the veranda of my sister's house, and for some time we had no words to exchange. Our hearts were filled with sensations such as only the scenes of heaven can give. Then my sister said very softly, quoting from one of the old earth hymns, Sweet fields beyond the swelling flood stand dressed in living green. And in the same spirit, I answered, it is indeed a rapturous scene that rises to our sight, sweet fields arrayed in living green and rivers of delight. As we passed onward in looking down, we began to see many suburban villages, similar to that in which our own happy homes were situated. Among many of them, there was an unfamiliar air, and the architecture of the buildings in many respects seemed quite different from our own. I suggested to my sister that we drop downward a little. On doing so, we soon realized what caused this apparent difference in the architecture and surroundings. Where our homes were situated, we were surrounded by people we had known and loved on earth and of our own nationality. Many of these villages over which we were now passing, we found were formed from what to us would be termed of foreign nations. And each villain village retained some of the peculiarities of its earth life. And these to us were naturally unfamiliar. We recognized again in the, the wisdom and goodness of the father in thus allowing friends of the same nationality to be located near each other in heaven as on earth. As we still drifted onward and passing over an exquisitely beautiful valley between low hills of the most enchanting verdure, we saw a group of people seated upon the ground in a semicircle. They seemed to be hundreds in number, and in their midst a man was standing who apparently was talking to them. Something familiar and yet unfamiliar in the scene attracted us, and I said, let us go nearer and hear, if possible, what he is saying and see who these people are. Upon doing this, we found the people to resemble, in a great measure, our own Indian tribes, their dress, in a manner corresponding to that worn upon earth, though so etherealized as to be surpassingly beautiful. But the dusky faces and the long black hair still remained. The faces, with intense interest depicted on each, were turned toward the man who, we could see, was talking to them, and looking upon them, we saw at once that he belonged to the Anglo-Saxon race. In a whisper of surprise, I said to my sister, why, he's a missionary. As so often seemed to me to happen in that experience, when a surprise or a difficulty presented itself, there was always someone near to answer and enlighten us. And so we found on this occasion that our instructor was beside us, ready to answer any surprise or question that might be asked. He said at once, yes, you are right. This is a missionary who gave his life to what on earth were called the heathen. He spent many years in working for them and enlightening those who sat in darkness with a result, as you see before you, of 
bringing hundreds into the kingdom of the master. But as you will naturally suppose, they have much to learn, and here he still gathers them about him, and day by day leads them higher and higher into the blessed life. Are there many such, I ask, doing this work in this beautiful realm? Many hundreds, he said, to these poor minds unenlightened as they were when they first came. Heaven is as beautiful and happy a place as it is to any who have ascended higher, simply because we can enjoy only in the capacity to which our souls can reach. There are none of us who have not much yet to learn of this wonderful country. In several instances, as we drifted across above the villages, we heard songs of praise arising from the temples and from people collected in different ways. In many cases, to our surprise, the hymns and the words were those with which we had been familiar on earth, and although sung in a strange tongue, we understood them all. That was another of the wonderful surprises of heaven. There was no language there that we could not understand. On and on and on, through wonderful scenes of beauty we passed, returning finally to our own homes by a different way from that by which we had gone forth, seeming to have made almost a circle in our pleasant journeys, journeyings. When I left my sister in her own home, she whispered to me as she bade me goodbye for the present. It has been a day of such wonderful rest and pleasure that we must soon repeat it together. And I answered, yes, dear, we will. In several instances, the subject of dual marriages has been introduced. All right, I'm going to stop right there. <clears throat> that sounds like it's going to be extremely interesting. And she actually has, <clears throat> excuse me, a break right there. So I am going to stop um, and do another episode for the, this last other subject. Um, and the only thing I want to comment on this, now, many people have had dreams where they seem almost heavenly, where you can go to and fro. Have you ever had a dream where you're in the dream and you can just will yourself to go? You can just, you can just move. I had, a, I've had dreams. I was flying. I have dreams. I was soaring above and looking down like an eagle. I mean, I don't think wings, flapping wings like a bird are necessary. I think wings demonstrate how this works. Um, now the other thing I wanted to say is, do all of our different languages go with us up to heaven? And the only thing that comes to mind with me is the Lord confused the languages at the Tower of Babel because of transgression. Uh, they were knowingly going against the authority of God. And so he, when he scattered everybody, he also scattered with different languages to confuse the, the plan, you know, this plan about going against him. Well, now we've broken that barrier again. You know, we have Google Translate, we have whatever. And so everyone can understand everyone. It's not quickly, readily, but um, when we get to heaven, and I still believe that the author is talking about paradise. There's many levels of heaven. I believe she's talking about paradise, um, which is where you first come. 
Um, and is missionary work still going on? I believe it could be because when people first get there, you know, if you haven't walked with the Lord for a long time, you know, you, you, you need to be introduced into who he was. If you never studied the Bible, you don't know who God is. And so instruction on the word, which is God, the word was God. The word was with God. So instruction on who he is has to be ongoing because people will never understand who he is. Not fully. Um, it would make sense. You would have your culture on earth as it is in heaven, as she says, but that you can still understand people, even if they're speaking in a different language. And that happens on earth it's a miraculous thing that happens but people have spoken of that where they go into a place to warn like translations and things like that which are biblical like Philip in Acts chapter 8 he was translated translated to a whole nother area but people that have talked about this like James Maloney and Neville Johnson and they understood the language that the people were saying, and they could actually speak to them in their language, yet they were speaking their own language, but it was readily understood. So um, that's not too far of a stretch. So this was her experience, and we don't know. We haven't been there yet, but this, this is her testimony, and we're just looking at it and examining it. So there you have it. So um, I will probably post for Wednesday, part two of the supplemental chapter of Intramuros. And until then, I pray you have a blessed day.